Welcome to Yoga Chit Chat. I'm Phoebe Schiff, yoga teacher, tea drinker, and library card holder. And I'm Tarek Morinaga, yoga teacher, cold brew coffee addict, and burger connoisseur. Every week we meet virtually for an informal discussion on a common yoga philosophy principle, teaching, or theme. Today's topic is pranatva, the Sanskrit word for fullness. Karak, I'm going to let you kick off on this one. I, there's a lot to say here, and I'm interested to hear how you dig into this one because I know you've taught it in a lot of your classes before. Purnatva is a really simple concept. As you said, Purna translates pretty directly to mean fullness. And we often use the word Purnatva. TVA is simply short for Tattva. And in yoga philosophy, a tattva is a principle. For example, in the tantric philosophy, there are 36 tattvas or principles of the universe. And we map the entire universe based on these principles. The principles start at the highest level, Shiva and Shakti, the unmanifest and the manifest. And then they break down into things like the power of supreme will, the power of supreme knowledge, the power of supreme action. And then it breaks down even further than that, all the way down to the base elements of the universe, things like water, fire, air, earth, and space. We have all of these different principles of the universe. It's sort of our way of mapping things out, of of helping ourselves to understand everything that happens in our lives. And one of the principles of universal consciousness is that she is full. She lacks nothing. You can't take anything away from her and make her somehow less. The universe contains everything that it needs. It doesn't need anything added to it. You can't take anything away from it. The universe is complete and full and whole. And we being microcosms of the macrocosm, we have this same principle within us, this fullness, this really this existence that lacks for nothing. We're complete. Yes. This is an interesting idea. Another way that I've seen Pranatva defined is as perfection. It's counter in some ways to the way that we think of perfection because we often think of perfection as meaning without flaw or without mistakes. At the highest level, perfection in the context of Pranatva really means perfection, including flaws and mistakes. It embodies the fullness of our experience, the completeness of our reality, with all of the things that we might deem as imperfect or as somehow separate from our completeness. So this is a different type of perfection than we might think of in our human experience. But what's really beautiful about it is that it's a a sort of supreme perfection that really acknowledges the, I keep coming back to the word completeness of of our whole experience. The way that I often think about it is to think of each of us as humans and the things in our reality as puzzle pieces. 
And sometimes when you look at a puzzle piece and you don't see the bigger puzzle that it's a part of, the puzzle piece looks really wonky. And you're like, why does this have this weird edge to it? Where does this go? And it may seem very imperfect, but then when you see how it fits into the greater puzzle, you're like, oh, that's why it has this weird knob on one side and this diagonal edge. And I think that's um, sort of a metaphor for our existence in this reality and how even though we feel imperfect, it fits into the greater perfection of, of this experience. In the tantric philosophy, we are encouraged to embrace all aspects of life. We embrace the dark and the light, the good and the quote unquote bad. Imperfection or flaws are simply part of life. If we cast aside the flaws, then we'd be missing half of life, not half of life, but we'd be missing a lot of life if we didn't have flaws. I like that thought process of including flaws in the definition of perfection. We can't separate ourselves from that. I kind of think of it like when we first meet a new friend, that friend, we connect with all the things that are similar and the things that we like about that friend. And we don't see the flaws and we don't show our own flaws to the new friend. And then over time, however, we can't have a deep relationship with that new friend without revealing our flaws, without revealing our true selves. If we try to be perfect in the classical sense of the term, if we try to be without flaw, then we never go into a deeper relationship. We never reveal our, our whole selves. And we would be imperfect if we tried to only appear perfect in the relationship. If we think about our closest friends and family, we know each other's flaws on a very deep level. And that relationship is so much more full as a result. I love that. I love that. And as you were talking, I was thinking about how exactly what you said about the dynamic of relationships applies to the relationship that you have to poses on your mat. When you first start practicing, you know, you maybe do some, some down dogs, you do some warrior two, you experiment with some stuff and you're like, Oh, this is easy. You know, they're just poses. And then what, what really brings you deeper into your practice is when you start messing up is when you really wipe out from pose or you, you fall out of a balancing pose. I mean, how boring would it be if every single time you got into a balancing pose, you just stayed there, you know, there, there would be so much less to gain from the experience if you just popped into balancing pose perfectly every time. So much of the wisdom and the knowledge and the strength comes from the times that you fall out and then what you gain by learning how to get in. Some of my favorite poses are the ones that I can't do well. Not that I can't do well, but the ones that I struggle with the most. Things like balancing, whether it's balancing on my hands or balancing on one foot, the more challenging poses push me to the edge and I fall out of a pose or I have to come out of the pose and, and readjust. And it's that hide and seek of 
revealing flaws and then adjusting and refining the pose, that interplay is really what makes the practice very full. Kind of like you said, if, if you could do every yoga pose perfect and you only did the poses that you could do well, then where's the fun in that? Where's the fun in exploring, in trying things that you're not good at? So yoga is this big dance between flaws and imperfection and, and then refining and fine-tuning and, and creating something new. When we talk about purnatva, fullness, the flaws and the, the journey is included in that full experience, not just triangle pose that looks like the cover of a magazine. And the big thing I'm getting from what we're talking about on our mats is that a yoga practice is full no matter what it looks like. So sometimes we, you know, I can say I, I don't look at other people in class, but of course I look at other people in class. You know, the goal is not to, of course, but of course I look at other people sometimes and I'll be, you know, looking at the way they did a transition, the way they get into a pose. And I'm like, wow, that looks great. My, my transition or my pose looks nothing like that. Their practice is so much better than mine. What we're getting at is that our practices are no less full than each other. They're just different experiences. And a big thing I've been thinking about in yoga and, and honestly in life too, is that sort of egocentric wins are losses for spirit. And what I mean by that is an ego win might be to hold a pose for the longest in the room, you know, to really be like, yes, I did it. But it's kind of a loss for your spirit if what you needed was to get out of it three minutes ago and rest. And so often we mistake this idea of fullness of perfection as the the physical form, as, as material, when really what we need experientially is something quite different. I think that framing things in terms of experience is a good way to look at fullness. So it's a fullness of experience or a perfect experience versus a perfect final product or a perfect pose. The perfect experience or the perfect pose, the perfect yoga practice is more of an attitude and less of an aesthetic, less of an achievement. I am looking for my students and myself to be at our best, to connect to our highest selves. And when we're in that moment, regardless of what the pose looks like on the outside, when we're connected to our highest selves, we know that we're doing our best. We know that we're putting in our best effort. We're having our best experience, a full moment. Then that's perfect. That's the perfect moment. That's the perfect pose. It has so much less to do with aesthetics or what it looks like on the outside and so much more to do with a feeling and expression that's coming from the deepest place. And then this comes off of our mats into life as well. We often orient our attention, our sort of sense of worth around what our lives look like. You know, do we have certain boxes checked off? 
sometimes if we, you know, don't have certain things in place, then we feel very incomplete or imperfect. When really the most important thing in your yoga practice is to breathe the whole time and to be present as much as possible in the same way that in your life, the most important thing is to breathe the whole time and to try your best to be present no matter what's happening, no matter whether you're killing it at work or you just got fired, no matter whether you're celebrating your 10 year anniversary or whether you just got stood up on a date, whatever it's looking like for you, the perfection is not in the pose or what it looks like. It's in your participation and engagement with the experience. And that means engaging with the, the darker moments as much as the more joyful ones. One of the things that I try to stay away from as a yoga teacher is classifying a particular variation of the pose as the quote unquote full pose. Instead, I'll refer to a pose as a classic variation of a pose. So the pose that you see on the cover of the magazine or the pose that you see in Light on Yoga that might be the classic variation of the pose that may or may not be my full pose. My full pose might look very different from the classic version of the pose. As long as I'm putting in my full effort, then I'm in that space of fullness. One of the trappings I feel of now giving ourselves permission to call poses that still can be refined, calling those perfect or calling those full is that, well, it, it does a couple of things. First of all, on a positive note, it gives us the permission to not try to check all the boxes. To It gives us permission to not look like the magazine or the light on yoga picture. It gives us a lot of freedom. But at the same time, the trapping that I personally have to stay away from is I don't want this concept of fullness to make me lazy to somehow give me permission to not work hard. Oh, well, I'm not going to look like the cover of the yoga magazine, so I'm not going to work hard because this is full. I have to be very careful about that. So I want to continue to push myself and improve myself, refine my practice and my thoughts and my engagement with the world, my philosophy, but at the same time, not try to fit myself into someone else's version of perfection or fullness. There's a little bit of a fine line for me. There's a, a razor's edge to walk. Fullness is such an amazing thing because it, it gives us sort of this permission to not have to be a certain way. But then I hope that we continue to strive to increase fullness in our lives, to continue to refine and be better and deepen our connections to yoga poses and ourselves. So to me, what you're talking about is the difference between effort and force. That's something that for me is really honestly a daily practice. And it comes up for me a lot professionally because I'm, I'm constantly in this dance of, I want to do, I want to do all these things. I want to get all these things done, but then I'm also perfect as I am. So do I even need to do any of them? And the way that I think about it is the difference between stretching and, and tearing, right? So in a yoga pose, you know, 
that you're you're using effort when you're getting a good stretch and it and it's intense but it feels good you know you've moved into force when it feels like something is starting to tear like something is about to get overextended and that is a, a pose to pose experience and so in life i am constantly evaluating is this a good stretch you know is is getting up really early and and getting all these things done is this staying in the category of effort or is it starting to move into force and it's such dance really challenging the best way that i sort of read about this being described is that pranava is not trying to be something it's knowing who you are when it feels like you're trying to force something that is outside of your perfection that's when you're moving into that sort of tearing category but when it's doing something that reaffirms and and connects to your authenticity then that is celebration of fullness i think that we recognize when we're moving towards fullness and when we're just being lazy i think we recognize this as students on the mat we know when we're working the pose and doing our best and moving into our most full variation and we also know when we're being lazy and not doing the work and just sort of half-assing the whole process i think we also recognize that in our lives we know when we're being lazy and not advancing our careers or looking to improve ourselves make ourselves better we know when we're taking things to the limit and and being at our best it's something that we we recognize it's something that when we're honest with ourselves about who we are so now back to what you were talking about when we're honest with ourselves about who we are we recognize this concept of fullness when we lie to ourselves or when we're dishonest with ourselves then i think that's when we run the risk of either overdoing or underdoing trying to do too much check too many boxes or not doing enough and just being lazy the thing is only you only you can know whether you are in effort or in force so in other words no one else can know how you're feeling you are the for example i've been doing um these really intense practices all week i've been doing very like strength oriented uh yoga practices in the morning. I was on I did the it maybe 3 or 4 days in a row and I started to get really like addicted to them. And this morning I woke up and I was about to do another one and then I just took a breath and I realized that my body is killing me. Like everything hurts. And I realized that what I need is a more flexibility oriented practice, which is what I ended up doing. but there was a moment this morning where i really wanted to jump into a really intense strength oriented class to honestly kind of satisfy the the ego part of me that's like oh you know do 5 days in a row of this strength thing and you're going to get really strong and and get all these poses done but it wasn't honoring the perfection of how i feel today which is sore and so that question is something only you can answer and it's why we all need such different things that's a, a big conclusion i've been getting to recently like there are so few things that work for everyone in the exact same way be it yoga practice be it diet be it 
you know, all the other things that we use, we often kind of go with what the, what everyone else is doing, but we all need such different things on different days at different times during different seasons. And so having this self-awareness and this understanding of whatever you need or don't need is perfect is where Pranapa really helps us appreciate where we are compared to everyone else. I think that's so important is to understand that Pornatva has such variability from person to person. And it's a very personal experience of fullness. And the one person's fullness might be too much for the, per- the next person and, and vice versa. Two big celebrities that I follow on social media are Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jennifer Lopez. And I love both of them. I don't even necessarily love their movies or their music or the wrestling or whatever they're mainly famous for. But the primary reason that I follow those two are they are the hardest working celebrities. They are working to be as full as possible in their lives. And I could never match their level of fullness. Their work ethic is off the charts for me. I can't even imagine working that hard or that much. And it's part of why I follow them. I just find it very inspirational. But at the same time, I know that that is not where I necessarily can be or even want to be. But I love to follow them. I think that their lives are so full. I also follow them just because both of them are about my age. And they're just, they're still going and doing amazing things. And then as I talk about age, even as fullness is very individual and personal and varies from person to person, I think that our definition of fullness or our experience of fullness can also change over time. So you were mentioning taking the really hard, physically demanding classes, the more power classes over the stretching classes and tuning into your body and figuring out what you need. For me now, I'm at a point in my yoga practice and even just in terms of my physical well-being where full is a very different definition than it was 10 years ago or even 20 years ago. 18 years ago when I was doing yoga, it was all about the, the power yoga and doing these very strong actions. I was in the gym a lot more. Today, 18 years later, my yoga practice is very different, is very, is softer. My workout regimen is not nearly as intense, but I still feel, and I know that my life and my fitness, my yoga is very full, even though it's not at the same level that it was 18 years ago. And that's so amazing to be able to, to see because a lot of people don't and they're forcing themselves into the same structure from many years ago and then beating themselves up because they're having trouble with it. And I've been practicing now for, I guess I'm coming up on 10 years, which is pretty wild. And my practice has changed dramatically. You know, my yoga journey started out with Bikram, which 
it takes place in studios that are 105 degrees, super humid, and then it's a 90-minute practice, same poses every time. And now I take at least one to two yin classes every week. And yin is a very passive style of yoga where you're not doing a ton besides modifying your body a little bit and then just breathing. And when I was much younger, I would have been like, what a waste of time. You know, I'm not paying this money to nap on bolsters. And now those, those yin classes fill me up so much. And instead of forcing things that, you know, at, in my early twenties, hot yoga was, was really great. And it was something that felt really good for me. And now I like to do hot yoga here and there, but it's not something that I need all of the time. And this applies to, to yoga and it also applies to, to different parts of our lives, things that we're eating, people that we spend our time with, things that we like doing. A, a big thing I'm realizing is that our hobbies and interests and our circle of friends, they kind of come in cycles and that's okay. You know, it's okay if you were really into cooking for a long time and now you're not, you know, <laughs> that's what those, those delivery services are for. And, and so I think in, in honoring Pranatva, it's really just giving, it's really giving ourselves permission to just follow what feels intuitively good, to follow Ananda, to follow bliss and not feel guilty or wrong for doing that. It always puzzles me really when I see students who are very into yoga and they practice every day and they get really good at the physical postures and then they seem to disappear and stop doing yoga and maybe take up cooking or something. And for me, that's hard to understand from my point of view as, as someone who's been doing yoga for 18 years and hopefully I'm doing it for much longer than that in the future. But for those people who are doing yoga for a couple of years and they're really into it and then they choose to move on to something else, I think you're right that they're still following pranatva. They're still being authentic and true to themselves. They're really following experience. So when we're talking about fullness and perfection, we're not talking about fullness and perfection in hatha yoga. We're really talking about fullness and perfection in life. And Every student who comes to yoga class wants the most out of life. Every person who, every person in the world wants the most out of life. Nobody wants to be at the end of the line uh, at the end of life and, and look back and say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable just doing half. We all want to get the most out of our lives, whatever that happens to be for our abilities and the opportunities that we have. We take those opportunities and those abilities to the fullest. And again, that's going to mean different things for different people. It's going to look very different at the end of life in terms of what our careers were or how big our families were or how much money we have, etc. But that's not really, none of those things are the measure of fullness. The measure of fullness is, did we follow the path that was authentic and did we do the best that we could with what we had? That to me is really the perfect life. And did we breathe and try to stay present while we were doing all of it? Sometimes we can check off the boxes. We can get all of the things, all of the material things very quickly. 
but we're so focused on getting there that we miss the whole experience. And I have very high achieving friends and I've had moments of my life where I was working really, really hard towards something. And then I, I got the thing, you know, I got the material thing. And there is this really intense feeling of disappointment that comes after attaining something. And I think what it is, is a reflection of not, of not being present during the journey there. And, and this is a, a habit that all of us have in some capacity. I mean, in some ways I experienced it on the journey to handstand, you know, for, I was one of the last people in your class to get it. And I spent years in your class and I felt like yoga roadkill because everyone was kicking up and I could not get there. And in my head, I was just like, once I get to handstand, everything will fall into line. And then one day in teacher training, I got into handstand and I came back down and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm the same. Nothing, nothing's really changed. And I realized how I missed so much of the, I mean, I learned some things along the way, but I missed a lot of the process just because I felt so bad about myself for not being able to get it. And really what that was, it was just a gift in disguise because I learned so many different ways of getting into handstand that now I can teach it in a really thorough way for people and also be really compassionate and not judgmental of people who are struggling with it too. So uh, another big point is the, the things that feel like imperfection or the things that feel like they are somehow making you less full are often the things that actually make you so full that you're able to give and offer and share and, and help other people remember their own fullness and perfection. I think that enjoying the process and recognizing that it is a process is so much a part of Purnatva. The flaws and overcoming challenges, overcoming you know, a long road to achieving the goal, that is just as important, if not more important than the actual goal itself. May we see the process as the journey as part of, if not the experience, the, the achievement, the final outcome is such a small part of the, the overall journey or the, the full experience. And may we honor the fullness of this experience, the fullness of our journey, and may we go back to the things that we may be carrying very heavily as mistakes or as, as moments that feel like detours from the path and remember that they only contribute to the, the perfection and wholeness of this experience all the more. I love this this word so much and I love that we get to that we got to sort of break down how it applies to your practice and into things off the mat as well. This is such a great concept. I love teaching it too. Me too. It's one of my favorite themes for yoga classes. I would love to hear from some of our li- listeners how does this concept of fullness affect your yoga practice? How does it affect your life? We would love to hear from you. Send us a DM on Instagram. Our handle is at yoga.chit.chat. Also check out our website, www.yogachitchat.com. We'd also 
love to read any reviews that you leave us on iTunes. It would mean the world. And yeah, let us know what, what fullness means to you and, and how it affects your life and your practice. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.